Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another very special edition of Messi and Co. We've taken a little bit of an off-season break, but we have some exciting news for you in terms of the future of the show. Gian, Ashley, and myself, we are super, super excited to be back. We have a lot of content and plans for you guys going into the 2024 Inter-Miami CF and MLS season with a ton of competitions in line. Um, we just we can't wait to get going. Uh, we'll have some updates about the future of the show and, and when we'll get started with our regularly uh, scheduled programming uh, a little bit later on. But for now, I want to welcome back Gian and Ashley and say, well, what an amazing 2023 season it was for us starting in the summer after that major signing on June 7th. Um, kind of a whirlwind after that. It was all gas, no breaks as soon as we launched. And now we're here in November getting ready to talk about, you know, everything that we experienced in the 2023 season and what we're going to look forward to going into 2024. So Gian, Ashley, welcome. And Gian, I'll, I'll start with you this season as a whole. Well, I guess, you could go as a whole, you could go as a half. I guess it doesn't really matter, but everything kind of changed. It felt like two seasons in one. Um, do your best at giving us just like 10 kind seasons of your... in one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It didn't feel like 10 seasons. You got Leagues Cup, Open Cup, this. I mean, it was crazy. Before Messi, after Messi. Um, do your absolute best to, to put into words kind of what this season was for you, how you took it all in, and, and kind of your thoughts on the club. Uh, throughout the 2023 season yeah of course well, first and foremost i'm happy that we're all back we took a a, a little break uh, obviously there was a it was just a crazy whirlwind like you said of just so much stuff going on with the season um so we're back which is funny it's like we're back to do our end of the season and then we'll take a little break or whatever and then we'll, we'll figure it out but hey the season has been crazy 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 a uh, bunch of roller coasters up and down. You didn't know what to expect. Um, but so I guess just to frame this and, and, and as for a starting point for me, successful or unsuccessful? That's how I'm going to kind of look at this season, successful or unsuccessful. So I'm going to say that this season was, in my opinion, an unsuccessful season. That's what I think. I think it was an unsuccessful season with certain successes and good things along the way. And I know that's controversial because obviously we've spoken amongst ourselves and I am not going to say how you guys feel yet. I'm going to let you guys uh, speak for yourselves. But I will say it was an unsuccessful season. I think that I would go even as far as saying I think even the players would probably think it's an unsuccessful season. Um, and here's why. I don't think that you can be at the bottom of the table, miss the playoffs, and say that your season as a whole was a successful season. I think that also is important to add context to that as well and say it was an unsuccessful season. They were at the bottom of the table. They didn't make the playoffs because there were a lot of things that came into play. Uh, as we know, there are a lot of injuries that came into into play there were coaching changes and then just a schedule that was jam-packed that really put a lot of um that made it very difficult on players from a mental perspective from a physical perspective it um put a lot of strain on the coaching as far as game planning not having enough time to game plan so th that was a, there were a lot of things to take into perspective when seeing was this a successful or an unsuccessful season. So now laying that foundation, okay, I think it was an unsuccessful season. I will say that although it was not the best season, I think that there were a lot of good things that we can point out throughout that season um, without saying it, you know, I'll grade it at the end of my uh, of what I think. But along the way, hey, because of all those injuries, we were able to see young players flourish and to the to me that was a bright spot in this difficult season you were able to again unfortunate unfortunate that we saw so many important players go down but because of that we were able to see players like Kremaski flourish right in front of our eyes that would not have gotten the amount of playing time that he did unless there were there was this need because of the injuries 
Um, we saw players like, you know, uh, Ian Frey that unfortunately he got injured as well, but he did look very promising with the time that he was given. Um, we saw also David Ruiz, who also is a player that would not probably have gone that amount of time. And we saw that he is a very promising player. Now he's playing for the national team. Like that's just, those are really great and bright spots to say, hey, wow, we've got these players that are coming out of the academy that are important players. And and man, we just got a preview of maybe what something we would have seen maybe next season or the season before. So I think that that was really, really important for us. And it was a bright spot. Then obviously you bring in Messi, incredible bright spot. Bring in Messi, that is game changing for MLS, the league, game changing for us, for Inter Miami, that brought very much immediate success, probably success that we did not expect this season, especially after the way it started. And then you also get two of the best players at their positions in the world with Busquets and Alba. So those are huge successes within um, this season. Then you go into the League's Cup and you win the League's Cup. So winning a cup, again, I don't think anybody thought we were going to win a cup. Going Even if we were, you know, 100%, I don't know how many people would have said from the beginning, this is a team that's going to win a cup. This was still a very young team um, that, you know, we were hoping to con see continual, I think, continually getting better every season. But you're talking about a team that's a few seasons in. You're not expecting cups yet, um, especially not, you know, through all the hardships that we've been. So you get a cup and then you make it to the CONCACAF Champions League and you get a, a spot there. So that's another success. So I think, again, just adding context to it, like all of this stuff made it harder for it to be a successful season, but all in all, there were successes within the season. So, you know, I'm happy for most, more than anything, the second half of the season, there were a lot of, uh, smiles, excitement, celebrations that really and after that first half, man, we were down as fans. We were really down seeing important players go down and just being able to see the second half of the season really to me was like, okay, next season is very promising for us. Um, and then I will say just like looking back at everything and seeing how we prepare for 2023, uh, oh, excuse me, 2024, for 2024, Look, you're talking about Tata Martino that came in in the second half of the season, jam-packed, full, full, full of games, game after game after game. And he said it himself many times that he and his staff didn't even have time to really game plan for the games that were coming up. They had three, four games, four days between games. So now as we move into 2024 and having a full preseason in front of him with his players, I think that... Is going to be monumental for this team as they move forward and seeing how they're actually going to be be able to gel much better, be able to be much more prepared. There are players that came in from other leagues, from South America, from Europe, that were not accustomed to how MLS works. And they're going to be much more refined um, as they move forward. And then, obviously, we'll talk about this in the, in the, in the um, next part of, or the second half of the show. But now... Tata has seen what he has in front of him. He's gotten to know all the players. He knows what positions he needs to um, to improve in. He knows what tactics he's going to be able to use, his players, all that sort of thing. So one season under the belt for Tata, one season under the belt for all these players. I'm really excited for what's to come. I think that everybody's learned a lot about this team. And if anything, I think that this team has shown grit and that they can uh, get through adversity, especially through the mental part. Because even though the second half of the season, you know, we still had those that like little glimpse of playoff hope. Okay, maybe we didn't make it, but I feel like mentally they still tried their best, man. They gave it their all, even though maybe the performance wasn't there and it was expected. They went through a lot, very difficult that second half of the season. But mentally, I think that they were still there and they were trying their best. And I think that what we we need to take that end of the season and build on that momentum as we go into 2024. And I'm just crazy excited about 2024 and what Messi's going to do, Busquets and Alba is going to do, and whoever else is part of the team. So let me have it. Let me have it, guys. 
that's a lot, a lot to unpack. Um, Unloading the clip, Gian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's fair to say, like, from a competition standpoint outside of League's Cup, um, yeah, unsuccessful is maybe the right word um, because when it comes to the U.S. Open Cup final, uh, you you just they threw that away at home on home soil. I, I'm sure the owners would have loved to have lifted a trophy inside of uh, Drive Pink Stadium. I would have loved that. I mean, I went to that stadium growing up as a kid for you know for a Lauderdale Striker game. Like that was that was a huge that could have been a huge moment for South Florida sports, but um, or soccer at least. And, and uh, it is. It happened. MLS playoffs, if you guys have been listening to the show, on a weekly, daily basis, we are giving you the permutations, how close they are, the mathematics behind it. And we were trying so hard to figure out a way to get this team in. And at the end of the day, they weren't able to get themselves in. So from a competitive standpoint, sure, the winning wasn't all there post-League's Cup. And I think given the circumstances that Gian laid out the injuries you know the new signings not being able to get acclimated to the travel and the competition and just kind of what mls is especially after playing so many games in a row with the international breaks at play and i mean i could go ahead and try and list the amount of injuries that miami had from the beginning of 2023 starting in what what was it the third game against new york city fc where gregory went out for the entire season um i can go ahead and try and name everybody but it's more than your 10 fingers can count it really is the long-term injuries that Miami had to deal with on this roster was extremely uh damning on the season and including Messi at the end of the year I mean missed a couple of games and obviously they were relying on him a ton they relied on him a ton in League's Cup to be competitive and win that competition and it didn't fully translate into uh into league play with that said I would not go as far as saying that it was an unsuccessful season. And the reason why I will heavily debate that is because Inter-Miami had the most positive summer transfer window in North American soccer history. I think it's borderline football history. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at least polarizing, like it was just, I mean, you can't really, it's hard to compete with that. Um, And Winning League's Cup set themselves up for 2024. And I think that in and of itself is a success, Gian. I think you mentioned that. But going into CONCACAF Champions Cup straight into the round of 16 is a huge success. And with the task at hand to make the MLS playoffs with X amount of games remaining, I don't even remember what it was at that point, but they were so far out of it. And obviously hindsight is 2020. But to look back and say, oh, yeah, they're going to climb out of 15th place to, to make the playoffs, like it's a, it was a crazy order. But we believe that they were able to do it because of Lionel Messi and because of Sergio Busquets and because of Jordi Alba. And I haven't even mentioned the three U22s that they brought in that are going to be projects for the future. That plays into part the most successful summer transfer window, at least in MLS history. Um, maybe transfer just transfer in, in general, offseason mid-season it doesn't really matter um so that's why i think this is a success i mean the the fandom grew to a a level tenfold that of what it was um obviously they've become the global brand that the owners were wanting from day one and i think that there's a lot of positives that they set themselves up for going into 2024 and they really did get over the biggest hump that a new club has to get over which is winning a trophy a real trophy that way that is because as we all know i love the breezeway airlines carolina challenge cup back in preseason of 2022 i'll never forget it um <laughs> i mean there's there's just a lot to be said for what this club did as a whole from a competition standpoint sure we aired out our frustrations time and time again even getting some slack for it in the comments it, it there was a lot not for Ashley, but for me and Gian, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, but no, and I think I, I think that all of our, our thoughts regarding that were valid. I think that, Gian, your thoughts there are valid because from a competition standpoint, outside of League's Cup, they failed to, to perform and they, they failed to hit the standard that 
we want them to set for themselves. Now, I do think that, you know, going into 2024 with all of these new players that they're going to bring in, that they have brought in over the summer, they will finally have the time to get acclimated to what this league is asking and what it has asked from them in the past. And I think that you see in the course of history throughout MLS, summer transfer signings from outside leagues tend to do better in that second full season than they do in the latter half of the year that they play at they, they get transferred in. Uh, Chris Henderson actually alluded to that, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so with Messi, with Busquets, with Alba, even the U22s in, in Diego Gomez, Thomas Aviles for sure, because obviously we, we all see him as a very promising center back and Facundo Farias, who at the beginning looked like an electric signing and then kind of fell off a little bit when he was required and asked to do pretty much everything, play the messy role, but it's really hard to ask a 19, 20 year old kid to do that. So, or 18 maybe. Yeah. So there's hard a lot to be excited for. A superstar to do it. <laughs> yeah. But he did it and he did it. Um, you're going to get a lot of players back from injury, which is another thing. I, I know that they were might've even been conservative at times with some of the players. So I think a lot of 2023 was getting over the hump and, and winning that first trophy and then finally setting themselves up for 2024. That is actually going to require more games and more competitions than it did in 2023. But I think that with the full preseason and with the thought of that going in mind, um, they, they should be able to handle the job. I mean, that is their job to be able to manage that and do it. So I think we're going to see a lot of moves. I think we're going to see a lot of depth moves. You're going to have to see a lot of plug and play pieces come in because of the, the schedule, the crowded, crowded schedule that will be 2024. And I'm excited to see what they do. I, I love MLS offseason. It gets crazy. There's so many different things going on, all these different rules and stipulations. And the best part is that this club now is free of their sanctions and has a little bit more money at their disposal. And they do have a lot of roster-friendly contracts right now. So I think that there's a lot Miami have to deliver on, but all signs for me at least are pointing to they're giving us something to be excited about. And I think that that's why I would say 2023 overall was a successful season. Um, and it all points to that, that messy signing that summer transfer window, Ashley. Hi boys. Okay. <laughs> Lots to say. Lots to get into. Um, I also apologize. I keep touching my hair to everyone watching. It's I got a haircut. It's just, we're going to have to all deal with it. Um, of course, it was a success. You're crazy, Gian. That's a crazy take. That's the craziest thing you've ever said on the show. Um, no, I'm playing around. But uh, look, I think this season was a tale of, you know, two cities. It was a tale of two halves. We're all, and I, you touched on it a little, Austin, but we're, you know, we have recency bias. And the beginning of the season, we had huge restrictions on this team. We were obviously saving the money for Messi and for the DP spots and for, you know, for the young, like it was obvious they were not going to do anything. In fact, they were going to get rid of players, you know, that there was nothing they could do to bolster the squad because they knew they were waiting for the summer. Uh, and then we had some huge injuries, you know, just like you said, if Mota and Gregor were playing this, this past year for the whole season, we would have been, I think, in somewhere between ninth and 12th place, not 15th, you know, and I think then it's a whole different story. So I, you know, the, the, not making the playoffs and having such a bad record, the coaching, you know, the sanctions, all of those things really, really played against us. But then the the turnaround that we had, I mean, also give this players credit. They made it to the semifinal of the League's Cup without Messi, without anyone. And, you know, then we obviously made it to the final, but... They had to play some tough games throughout the season uh, with a depleted cup. squad. Open Cup, sorry, I meant the Open Cup. Um, you know, with a depleted squad, and they toughed it out, and they got us to that point where we had that semifinal in Cincinnati. So, but signing Messi, all of the money that is going into the club and to the infrastructure and to the future of this team, as Inter-Miami fans – it's amazing. It's such a silver lining. There's so much to look forward to. We won the league's cup. That's amazing that we won that, you know, we made it to the final. Obviously that performance had a lot to be desired from all of us, but still we made it to the final and, you know, the playoffs aside, first of all, this playoff format sucks. 
So I hope they change it for next year, and I'm glad we weren't in it. Um, but no, I'm glad we weren't in it. Uh, but look, there's so that we've had so many amazing moments. I think there's so many great moments to come. And so, yeah, I think it, it was such a success with the ups and downs because we started with a really bad hand. You know, in June, we were dealt bad cards as an organization, some of them self-inflicted, but we had bad, we had a bad hand and we made it all the way to a flush or I don't know, you know what I'm saying in my analogy, like we made it to a really good hand of cards and that's difficult to do. And so, yeah, to me, it's success. It was fun. It was amazing. And the future is so, so bright. So yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. So I, I don't know, and I've never seen any, and you guys watch just as much soccer as I do. I've never seen any team be at the bottom of the standings in the table, not win the seat, like just, you know, and say we had a successful season because we signed a player or we signed a couple of players. A player? You no, don't, you can't anybody. even say, you can't even say that with a straight face. Oh, we no. signed a player. Like it was Joe Schmo. No, okay, but, PS, but PSG, PSG like signed Messi. Like, I, I don't know. It's just to me. Kylian Mbappe and Neymar. I know, but like, I think that you can have successes within a season, but this entirety of the season not be labeled as a success. Like that to me, I guess that that's the disconnect between how I see things and you two see things. I don't think like, I'm not like, Oh, screw this season. Like it was a terrible season. No, I just, I had fun. It's most more than anything, the second half of the season, but the entirety of the season, I just can't, I just don't think as a team, you're like, Oh yeah. 14th place, you know, lost a U.S. open cup final, um, which we probably should have won and be like, Oh yeah. Super successful season. Like, I don't know. Would you would you like, say, yeah. though, Gian, other than like, let's just say like maybe an English giant club that after winning a trophy that qualifies you for the Champions Cup, a la FA Cup, you would say a club had an unsuccessful season? I I, I think it depends on what they're what they were doing outside. Like, I don't think I don't think winning when you have three three things to go for it also i guess it also depends on like where you where you um have things like priority wise like i think everything is based off of the league like you want to win the league and then but from miami standards i mean context has to come into play here their season got turned on their head or turned on its head you know what i would say inter miami successfully turned their season around by winning league's cup by winning these are sure these help that so that's the success they they turned a very difficult moment in the club and successfully turned it around and built it into the next season because we could have easily ended this season like just terrible and then the rebounding would have could have started like this summer, you know, building the team this summer, bringing in free agents and getting ready for the 2024. I think they successfully did that like ahead of time. They 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 built the team for 2024. They started building it at the end of 2023. Like that was so a wait, successful part. Okay, Gian, how about this? Now try not to be biased when you think about it. But if I were to say to you, no, no, I'm being serious. If I were Are you going to talk you, about Campana? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about your take. So listen, oh. if... Uh, if I were to say to you in the beginning of the season, before the season started, of the three potential legitimate trophies that Inter Miami could win, they won one, made it to the final in the other, and then didn't do anything with the third, and they got messy, what would you rate the season if I asked you that beforehand? So let me say it again. There's three cups, one, one of them, made it to the final in the second, didn't do well in the third. I'd probably rate that like a probably no, no, like a, successful and unsuccessful. Oh, successful or unsuccessful. Those are your two that, choices. That is that's a successful season. Like imagine overall. I said that to you. And so two of three trophies that two two of three two of three trophies we made it to the final and we got messy. Let me say it again. Two of three trophies we made it to the final I, and we I got think, messy. So I think I think that if one of those two was a season, I'd say successful. I disagree. Okay, but if because I didn't give you that, if I didn't give you that information, you're I, telling it, me it, it sounds it sounds good. 
But then you told me the truth. <laughs> no, that, like, I, for, it's a blanket statement, though. No, I know. The blanket statement sounds great, but I think and that... it was great. I, but no, I know. But I think that if it was the season, like, if if it was the season that we made it to the final and we didn't win, I think that that would have been more... Because it's the season. That's the thing. Gian's, that, that Gian's thing well, like, is he wants yeah. to win MLS. I think I think that that's what you base your season on. Like, isn't that what you strive for? Like, the cups are are sure, great but, and all that. But what do you what do you in the MLS season for? But this to win the season, staff, this coaching staff, and potentially more than half of their starting eleven, their strongest starting eleven, six players who could have been starting who came in in the summer transfer window, had no control over what the team did over the first 20, 25 games. And look, Gian, it's not to say that there weren't, and you said it, like there weren't unsuccessful parts of the season because there were. The first third of the season was completely unsuccessful. But, you know, we're talking in terms of, let's like look at it like percentages. If if it was 51% successful and 49% unsuccessful, it's a successful season. Like you have to think about the big picture. If I were to say to you in the Premier League, a team uh, won the FA Cup, or no, let's say they won the Carabao Cup, they made it to the final of the FA Cup, but then they finished eighth or ninth in the Premier League, which, for example, like would be no Europe. Like you're not a top, you're not a top table club. You didn't make it to the whatever. You didn't make it to decision day. Is that a bad season? Like you'd be so overjoyed with that as a season. And so depending on the club, that I, but that's right. the thing, though. I, I, I mean, guess if it's Manchester City, but if it's you know freaking Crystal Palace, then that's but think amazing. about it this way too. I wouldn't even compare it to Carabao Cup because Carabao Cup doesn't qualify you for your continental competition. But let's say they won the FA Cup. Let's say West Ham right. won the FA Cup. They finish seventh in the league, but they win the FA Cup and they come runners up in, in the League Cup, Carabao Cup, and they qualify for Europe. West Ham I mean, is a great example. They won a European that's, that's trophy. A good season. They almost were relegated, but they won a European trophy. So now they're so, in the top of the league. So I think they had. The I think they had a. I, so I think inter, that's the thing. Is to to me, it's two separate things. I I think that it, I don't think it was a terrible season, but I think. But and I, I guess that that's where we measure things differently. Is the uh, the successful and unsuccessful for me? When I say that, is solely based on whether how they did in this in the season. That's okay. all I, I, I'm I'm basing it on. Like I think okay. that that's that's clearly the the difference that you you can see a successful season despite them doing very poorly in the actual season. So I think that that's the the disconnect because I, I agree with like what, what you said. It's not a bad like I, I'm not gonna say it was a bad season because there was so much good that came from it. So like maybe that's our middle ground. Like I I, I will agree it wasn't a, a bad season and I won't categorize that because there was so much good, especially in the second half. My my unsuccessful is purely on it was they were unsuccessful in the league, making okay. it to, to the league. But I don't. But I won't say it's a bad a bad season. It wasn't a okay. bad season. I okay. would say Fair this. Enough. I would say this too. From at least from my perspective, from how I had always viewed Inter Miami as a club, like from the beginning, and what I felt like they needed to do as an expansion team from 2020 was. I've said it on every show I've been on. Anytime someone has asked me the question, I've always said, find a way to get into CONCACAF Champions Cup. I don't care how you do it. I've even said that about the MLS playoffs. I don't care what place. I know. I don't care what place you come in um, in the league as long as you get to playoffs because that's how American sports work and you always have a chance. They finally gave themselves a fighting chance. So in relative context to prior Inter-Miami teams and my expectations of the last four years as a whole – for what they did in League's Cup and for what they did in U.S. Open Cup, minus the league play, because it was disappointing, even from the Messi era on, I would still qualify it as a, as a success because from the beginning, this team wanted to get onto that continental stage, and they yeah. finally accomplished that goal. And that's where I think from a competitive standpoint, you can have the argument that, sure, they didn't get the chance really – to prove themselves in league play. And the first part of their season was riddled by potentially, depending on your opinion, poor coaching and a ton of injuries. Then turned into, like you said, Gian, a complete turnaround. They salvaged their season with League's Cup and set themselves up for 2024. So from a competitive standpoint, I don't know how much more, other than winning that game at home, against Houston Dynamo in the Open Cup final, how much more you really could have asked of them. Because for a lot of the time, 
it, it was almost out of Inter Miami's hands. Now it did get into point. I, I think it, one of those weeks where it was actually in their like in their own fate to be able to make the playoffs. But for the most part, they were still going to need other results to fall their way, um, even if they were to win out whatever at that point of the season. So the expectations from us, from me specifically, were really high in league play, really, really high. But looking back, I say maybe that's a little bit harsh because they've accomplished the goal that I've been wanting them to accomplish for four years now. And from a competitive standpoint, I don't know how much more realistically I can ask of them because now not only do they get into that competition, but they have the greatest player in the world and a couple of his buddies and three of the most prom- promising players now in North America in, in the U22 DPs. And yeah. you still have Campana. You still have, you know, a lot of other guys, a lot of academy products too. That Busquets and Alba. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. I think that when you, I mean, when you add the context to it, like you did as in regards to like how this started as an expansion team and how they're building upon mm-hmm. the previous season, I'll agree with you in that sense. Yeah. It was successful. Like okay. on with that context and I'll, I'll go as far as, and I'll, I'll end me, my part of it at least the first half was unsuccessful. The second half was successful. Sure. I'll take that. I'm going to take that out of the way. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, it's all, it's a, how you define success. And it's, you know, I'm looking at it from more of a bird's eye view of just like, you know, the growth and the potential, right. Of, of what we're going to be able to do the tournaments where next year, the, the initial silverware, the new players. I mean, it's just so much positive. Um, But okay. So let's move on to um, another segment, which is going to be a question that I ask you guys, and I'm going to answer it first, which is, who do we want to keep? Who do we want to go? Stay or go, right? There's uh and there's, for those, there's a lot of different categories. And if you want, you can go into them, but it's, you know, do you want to sell them? Do you want to let them walk? Do you want to try and trade them? Uh, do you want to keep someone? Do you want to like give them one more year, assign them to a big contract, you know, et cetera, put them in the starting lineup. There's a lot of different ways we can go about this. And so we're all going to say one of each and I'm going to start us off. Uh, who I think has to stay is Noah Allen because, uh, and, and, you know, I think he will, but you know, he's done a really good job. He's so young and he's been dealt a hand where he's had to, you know, do things that not everyone can do and have someone like Jordi Alba as his mentor. And now, you know, it's difficult in professional sports. We see it in the premier league, you know, there's teams that don't have a a left footed starting left back that can, you know, be really, uh, successful and be able to do both both ends of the field. And while Noah Allen has a lot to learn and grow, he he's a natural left-footed player who who really has matured and grown a lot. And with Jordi Alba teaching him, because Jordi Alba won't be here forever. He's younger, obviously, than Messi and Busquets, but he won't be here forever. Noah Allen's twenty, I think. I think it's it's super important to keep him and to have him continue to grow. Any comments on that before I give you the next one? A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. I've got a Noah Allen bias, so I love it. Okay, yeah. great. So now my go. Now let me cook. Okay. Oh god. <laughs> oh, god. Um, Robbie Taylor. Oh, okay. So, Wasn't expecting wow. that. Wow. wow. Oh, I love Whoa. that you both gave the same reaction. Why? Why Robert? That's not Taylor? what I was expecting at all. Nah. I know. That's why I said, let me cook. Let me cook. So <laughs> Robert Taylor. I think that Robert Taylor was outstanding last year. Amazing. Um, And because of that, his stock right now is very, very high. In fact, I think it's probably the highest it's going to be because he's, he's, I think he's older than people think he's in his late twenties, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's, he's not 22 or 23. He's in his late twenties and his stock right now is very, very high. And so I think that inter Miami will be able to get a lot of value out of him, whether they, it's a, you know, to a different team in MLS, they can get a lot of value out of him. And that whether that comes in allocation money trades, or maybe some type of bolster in the defense defense or midfield. uh, I think they can get a lot of value out of him. We also, I think, well, Farias is gonna is gonna be the starter on that on the left side when it's if it's a perfect lineup in a four three three. Let's say it's gonna be him on the left, 
who the hell knows in the middle <laughs> and uh but not robert taylor like it wouldn't be robert taylor in the middle it would be campana no. it would be louis suarez who knows but it'll be and then messi on the right and if it's a 4-4-2 lineup because we have so many creative midfielders and people who are back then it's going to be a striker in messi so you know there's situations where robert taylor will not be the starting left winger game in and game out and because of that there's a lot of value in him and I think he's someone we can trade and get value for. And not to say, I think he was amazing and he was great this year and he could be great next year, but I'm just saying if you're thinking in the future and you're trying to be strategic as an organization, knowing that Messi, Busquets and Alba, it's finite, you know, and you're obviously not trading any of your six DPs, who can you, where, where can you get a big boost of value? And I think he's one where you can. That's, you know, I have, Really no argument there other than one thing. Yes. One very minor thing that honestly just is reliant on the fact that I, I don't want to see it have to happen. And that's that ridiculous, absurd Phil Neville and now Tata Martino wing back role for Robert Taylor. If they ever have to default to something like that because of injury and lack of availability in international breaks with the congestion of the schedule, all of that and and rotation, that's one piece that I say, man, it would be really nice to rely on Robert Taylor right now to fill in that gap that we need to have filled. Whether it's but is as that a enough of a caveat that you would want to you no. know get all no. this value out of him, no. right? Yeah. I, I don't exactly. I don't think that that would stop any front office from offloading a player at their peak value. I'll say that. That is the I will 100% agree with that fact, but I do think that we might look at each other in let's say June of 2023 and say, "Damn, don't you miss that Finnish guy running up and down the wing connecting with Messi?" Like I I think it's a possibility, but at the end of the day, um I had even screamed for something very similar to this 2 years ago with with Nick Marsman when he was playing extremely well, right. you had Drake Calendar coming up the ranks, you're paying this keeper so much money and he requires an international roster slot. You got to find a way to offload him. And well, we all know how that turned out. Nick Marsman is no longer really with Inter Miami. Um, they bought him out. So uh, I, I think that, yeah, actually the, your, your logic there is, is kind of spot on. I, I will say I agree with the logic as well. And even though it would, it would hurt, it yeah. kind of makes sense. Um, the it only hurt. he's great, no, 100%, no, like he's really, he's really good, before. he's really good, and he connects very well, like with with Messi. And the only, my only like concern with that would be that we're next season, we're gonna play the most games that we've ever played, and like one of the things that Tata has to do now, and the team has to do this off season in preparation is to make sure they have two competitive teams. So that's the sure. only thing I, I would say, because there's going to be times where like, like Messi's not going to be able to play every game. So who's going to play when Messi's not playing? Like Farias yeah, can play, maybe. maybe Stefanelli if he played, but I mean, like I maybe, because usually if Messi doesn't play, I feel like Farias, uh, Facundo Farias can take that role. And that's where maybe Robert Taylor would step in as like a left wing back. I mean, a left wing. Or there's times where, because the middle would be obviously with Campana and, and Suarez, but maybe if they don't, like Farias could move into the center forward role temporarily um, if need be. And that's where, so I feel like there's still some times where um, Robert Taylor would be needed. So that's the only, like my only concern with that. Again, with there being so much, that's one of the things that, that happened was we were kind of thin sometimes because of the amount of games. And next season, we're going to be playing even more. So that would be my only concern. Other than that, I think it makes it makes sense because there are there are to your point, there are more areas of need. Um, so, but it doesn't yeah. mean they won't find a replacement, right? Right. That's like as you say, what if you yeah. you can trade and you can get some a replacement who maybe will be at less quality, but fine, you have a backup. I also think you know I, we always joke around, but Robbie Robinson plays from the left. Yeah, he's not your bona fide starter every single game, but he's a workhorse. And if you have, and he's a good finisher. So if you have enough people playing around him. He could always, I think he could be a very suitable left wing when needed, yeah. when you have to, you know, figure it out. But so, all right, that's that's me. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll, I'll go, but I want to touch one more thing. Robbie Robinson also doesn't 
require an international roster spot. So Miami would be able to free that up and bring and somebody cheap. else in. And Robbie Robinson and young. is not cheap and young. And yeah, Robert Taylor is 29. I fact checked that. And he makes 276,000, which is about a little bit less than half of what the max is. So he's not obviously a DP or trade value player, you can get for a 29 year old like that in MLS. If they can get it, I don't see the front office ruling out any possibility of doing that. Yeah. That All right. Sense. So with stay for me, my number one choice, and I don't know if it's a cop out, but I- I'm going to go for it. And Gian, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I'm, if we're thinking of the same guy, I'm going to do don't it take anyway. Messi. No, no, man, he can go. No, no, um, no it's Leonardo Campana. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have faith in him as a striker, especially in this league. I think he could bring something to this team that not many strikers throughout MLS can. And, you know, I think that they hit really – I'm not going to say they, like, struck a pot of gold with signing Campana from Wolves – but in reality, this is a young guy that they can develop for years to come. And yes, it's been a couple of seasons, but he's still super young. He's still clawing his way into the national team. And we've seen the glimpses so of... good looking. <laughs> can't, can't argue there. Um, but he, we've seen the glimpses of, of perf- like great performance that he's put on, whether it's as a goal scorer, whether it's you know, the finisher from, from his head or from his foot. Or, or even at times, I think it was in that FC Cincinnati game that we alluded to earlier, like the the playmaking as well. Like he can whip a ball in, he can drop it and hold up play. I think that they should really take him on as a project, as a young player, and mold him to a creator like Lionel Messi, and he could find a lot of, of success. So that's my case for Leonard Campana to absolutely stay don't cash it on any value that he has and try and mold him into a player that fits well with the Tata Martino system. I think it's possible. More I got to agree with that. Yeah. Got to agree. Thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, he, now, contract. he just did a resign. Like, I mean, you yeah, know, he's making right, a lot of money, but right. still not, not to a point where it would detriment, you know, it would be dead weight. So I think I agree. Yeah. And he's under that, that he could be under that, like, He's in a weird specification in terms of the roster stuff, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, to go, I actually have two players, and the reason why I have two players is because I put them in the same exact category of player. Okay. It's Coco John and Nico Stefanelli. Mm-hmm. Like I agree them two, I, them two, I, I see as one player. And I think Nico Stefanelli has probably contributed a little bit more to Inter Miami during his tenure. And granted, Coco John has been injured, but even when Coco Jean was playing, like I, I can't tell you what he does well. I don't know what position he plays. I, French. I, I, yeah, that's that's all I got. And, and as for Nico Stefanelli, like for the amount of money and for the international roster spot that he's on, I, I just don't see it as a valuable contract. And there was the one thing that I that I loved, and I mean loved about Chris Henderson when he was first signed, is that he gets value for money, or at least he did with the Seattle Sounders. Coco Jean on $720,000 as a TAM player is blasphemous. Nico Stefanelli, even at that $400,000 price tag, which is $130,000 more than what Robbie Taylor is making, we know the difference in impact between those two guys, is blasphemous. So for me, I think you find a way to offload the Frenchman and the Argentine and bring in reinforcements to bolster your depth at wing um, and, and go from there. Maybe try and find somebody within the league who is eager to, to come play for Inter Miami who doesn't require international roster slot because they're going, if they want to get other valuable players from outside of the country, they're going to have to start making some maneuvers and using allocation money to acquire these spots from other teams throughout the league. And they're at the cap right now. Not exactly sure who's leaving, not exactly sure who's staying, but it'll be really beneficial in terms of roster allocation with international roster slots with money in terms of MLS salary and budget and openings and, and all of that to offload these two guys and look for cheaper and 
possibly, very possibly better reinforcements. And at the very least, just better value for the money that they're being paid. That's $1.1 million. I think you could even spend on one player with one international roster slot that would make your team a hell of a lot better. Yeah, agreed. Let me go quickly and then Gian, you go and then you go with your two. Um, I I definitely agree about Coco John. Get the hell, get rid of him. Not because he's not a bad guy or anything like that, but so unnecessary is not going to make, I don't even think he'd make the second team in our, for what we're doing next year. So 100% get rid of him. Stefanelli, the only thing I would say is like, I can understand getting rid of him, but you know, on the left wing, we have a lot of like right-footed great players who can can step in for Robert Taylor. I think that being Stefanelli being naturally a right winger actually is a little bit more valuable to me uh, because, you know, when you don't have Messi playing, you have an immediate replacement who plays there. The other ones, you can be a little bit more creative. Uh, so, but overall, I, I agree with your, I agree with both sides of the coin. Um that those are those are the right players to to play around with and I also really quickly my last point about Robert Taylor and why I think that one's more of an easy money is like for example Minnesota Minnesota has their striker is Finnish he's in Timo Pukki right like and so I can 100% see a world where they want Robert Taylor to come there and then they play together and they have that great connection and they're also a young team where they have some allocation and some, I think, money and, and uh, players to play around with. So keep, you know, that could be a sleeper where they want to put the two internationals together. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with all your guys. This takes, um, they make sense. And obviously with those two, with Coco John and Stefanelli, I don't see a place for them. And like, you're not going to spend that much money on somebody that's not going to play or see that much time. So that makes a hundred percent sense. Um, and then for me, I would say for my go, um, go get out of the team. We don't want to see you again. Um, it's got to be. Uh, I'm gonna go on the. I'm gonna go with defense on the defensive side because that's somewhere where we've done very poorly. Let's forget, Christoph. Please, please don't <laughs> do it to me, Gian. Please. All right. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to do it to you. Uh, it's gonna be Sergey. No man, no. <laughs> be but but here's a here's Kamal a Miller thing, prevails. Wait, but, but here's my thing: is Kamal Miller is because I don't even I don't want him playing though. But I I, I think it's mm. to me it's like Kristoff get off of the bench, go somewhere else, and like move Kamal Miller to the bench because I I think that if you're gonna keep it's either keep Kristoff or Miller. And I don't think either of them are starters for me. I would just go with Kamal because he's younger. I'm not sure how much he's getting paid though. That's that would... back for Canada, you guys. He's like, yeah, well, I mean, Canada. It's Canada. Though. Yeah, it's Canada. Canada so. won the world stand. Like they won the World Cup qualifying last thing. They beat the U.S. Well, they're also yeah. in Concacaf, so. Same. Yeah, but, but I, I think. Uh... <laughs> but anyways, come on, we don't talk about. But I... but, but my but my point is that um, it's it's either. Christoph or Kamal Miller, I would just say Kamal Miller would stay and Christoph would go just and then find a replacement for Miller. But he's a younger guy. And again, to my point earlier on, I think that we're going to need to have players to field two different teams. And Kamal Miller is a guy I think that can step in and do well when needed. But I, I would want to fortify that center back position. Um, can I but interject that's, here really quick? Yeah, of course. Uh, Kamal Miller is also on a team-friendly deal, and I don't even know if Canadian. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Players require international roster slots. So oh, that's another. So, so money-wise, it's still. Money-wise, it also makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, because yeah, I'd be afraid that maybe, you know, you get rid of Kristoff, but does it make sense to have Miller it does. if he's expensive but it, it does money wise as well so i think that you keep you get rid of Kristoff, you keep kamal and then you replace kamal in this in the starting lineup i'm also going to go deandre yedlin 
Um, I almost said that, Gian. Yeah, I almost said that. I was going to say DeAndre Yedlin because, man, like, uh, yeah. thank you for your service. But, <laughs> dude, like, he has been struggling for us on the defensive end. He does not get back. And for what he goes, for as much as he goes up, he doesn't make that much of a difference on that wing. For, again, if, I mean, if he was always up and he's not helping on defense, like, I, I expect more. And I feel like we're just not getting enough from him. And he's a big liability for us on that right wing. We get attacked crazy, especially especially when it's the, the counterattack never gets back. So, um, and then as far as, far as stay, um, man, but like my stays are, I feel like are all a little bit too obvious, you know, like. Okay. Let's, let's, let's see. As far as stay is concerned, hmm. Uh, how about this? You 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 kind of took one of my stays, which was obviously going to be Campana. So I'm going to throw out. I'm yeah, going to throw out. A, no, I'm going to throw out uh, one that you're going to say 100%. No, just so we can keep this interesting here. Uh, here's my go. One of my goes. Um, I'm going to go with Drake Calendar. I'm going to go with Drake Callender. No, 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 no. I'm going to no, go no. with Drake Callender. I don't even Callender. know. End the show. I don't, I don't want to have this discussion. <laughs> I'm going to go with Drake Callender because he is worth so much money right now. Yeah. And I feel like matter. CJ, Dos, I feel like CJ Dos Santos, if we take Drake Callender, use his money to fortify that defense, I think CJ Dos Santos can get the job done. And or that's uh, or the hair if he comes. So I'm gonna go Drake Callender. Uh, turn the lights off. Who's your stay? Yes. Who's your stay? You haven't given your stay yet. All right, my stay is going to be. Let's look at this roster really quick. My my, I was so focused on the goals, I didn't think of a stay. But my stay is going to be. You know who it's gonna be? It's gonna it's it's gonna be it's gonna be Dixon Arroyo. <laughs> I just said that five minutes ago. I said you were going to pick the other Ecuadorian. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's going to so, go with Dixon yeah. Arroyo. And, and no, no, here's no. why. We... Really quick. Dixon Arroyo, because I know he's not a starter, and I don't expect him to be a starter, but he is a solid, solid fill-in. Solid. That guy's going to come in, make sure nobody gets past him. He's going to get back on defense if he needs to, play that center back position when there's a space there for him to drop back into, like to, to cover, you know, when one of our center backs goes forward or whatever. He's solid. He does what he needs to do. He's not going to do anything magical or come, you know, out, out of the box, but very solid. Great backup on, on, uh, to Gregor or Busquets. If they yeah, can. so Either that's what I'm going to play for a game. It'd be, it's good to have him. Yeah, so I'm going to go with that. And then um, I'll wait for, uh, uh, go ahead. I'm an open target, guys. What do you want well, to say? You're insane. Now let's listen. Let's let's break let's break down the the, the nitty gritty of of this of this statement that you put out there about Drake Calendar. For me, in terms of this, let's not get so uh, should I say like overzealous about this capitalizing on value kind of thing, because Inter Miami have owners who are willing to spend money. I do not think it is in their best interest to just capitalize on the value of their of their top performers. That's just not something I believe should happen. I don't think that it's going to happen in the near future for some of their academy products because I think that they see them as projects. Somebody like Benjamin Kromeshki, who was reportedly scouted by Bundesliga teams, stayed with Inter Miami throughout the year. With Drake Calendar, Gian... He's a homegrown player who is on a team-friendly deal, who just signed an extension and has been up in the running for MLS Goalkeeper of the Year, what, multiple times now, if I'm not mistaken, at least once? And, and to me, arguably, is the most impactful player outside of Messi on this roster. There is no other player besides Lionel Messi who I would say has more of an impact on the results of an Inter-Miami football match than Drake Calendar outside of Lionel Messi. I'm going to keep saying outside of Lionel Messi because I don't want someone to twist my words. But there is no way that I could ever see Drake Calendar going other than if it's for millions and millions of dollars. That makes sense in my head. It just it doesn't make sense. Now, granted, if Drake Calendar wants to leave and says, hey, I want to pursue an opportunity in Europe in order to try and make the national team roster going into 2026, Fine. As a club, you do him a service and you make that 
that kind of call. And it's a tough one, but you do it. Or you give the man a raise. I don't care. <laughs> but he has been so impactful for this club since he's come in. Well, I guess not since he's come in because he came in in 2020. But since he started to play, that it just doesn't really make sense. He's a calming presence. He's become a leader in the locker room. And he's somebody that doesn't take a lot of money and has homegrown status, which means he doesn't count towards the senior roster. He's an open, he's an open roster slot. You can bring in other players. So for me, I think it makes no sense. And Ashley and I talked before the show. David De Gea is the reason, one of the reasons, one of the three reasons I would say I'm a Manchester United fan. I have loved Manchester United since I was a kid. David De Gea had been there from the beginning. It was Wayne Rooney, Chicharito, and David De Gea for me. Those were my three guys. And I love David De Gea. I have always defended David De Gea. I think he should still be on Manchester United right now and get Andre Onana the heck out of here. With that said, I do not think from an MLS business perspective, or I get, no, let me not say business, from just an MLS competition perspective for Inter Miami and in what it would do to the roster allocation and the money it would require to bring David De Gea in, that it makes any sense to do that in replacement of Drake Calendar. I, I just don't see it as a viable I won't, I won't fight that. I won't I fight don't, that. I don't yeah. see it as a viable option. And I would sit like a little fanboy in the stadium watching David De Gea play because, like I said, growing up, that was my guy. But, man, Drake Calendar for me is just a – it's a non-negotiable. It's okay, a but, but, non-negotiable. Wait, but wait, you said if, if, if De Gea is here, you're, you're, you're okay. I wouldn't be necessarily okay with the decision to get yeah. rid of Drake Calendar, but if if I see David De Gea in between the sticks and pink and black, like I'm not gonna be like fully upset, but like <laughs> that's I, what I, would, I, I think yeah. this. I I agree. Like I think but it doesn't make sense. That there would be there'd be like you know there's like a two or three percent chance that you would ever want to get rid of Calendar because of all the value he has and he's such an important part of the team. I would say the one caveat would be. If he gets David De Gea and you and he you know he wants to play and he plays and you can then trade and get a ton of value out of or sell and get a ton of value out of Drake Calendar, you do it, but only for like David De Gea or someone of that stature. You know, if it's not that, yeah, stature, I agree. That it. makes sense. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And then offline, I'll have because I, I I don't know if I heard right. There's no way that. Uh, Austin said his top guys at Manu. One of his top guys was Chicharito, right? I, 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 I think I heard that wrong. I, I, we'll have a yeah, sidebar. We'll talk about that offline because I, I don't know. Getting, oh. Yeah, he's he's his internet disconnected because of that tape. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, okay, well, that I, like, so I want to show you. I want to show you how much I love David De Gea and how much I don't want him on Inter Miami. Okay. But you accidentally yeah. said Chicharito, just so you know. The, the, the... Look at this. I'm telling you, like I, I this was oh, my guy. This was uh, my guy growing up. This is a. This was a little bit later than. Did you play goalkeeper? I was a goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. I was a goalkeeper. Yeah. Oh my gosh, pretty cool. Was I? High school. Yeah. Middle school and high school. So That's this was my sick. guy. But it doesn't make sense, guys. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. But sometimes things don't make sense. So, but I I agree. Okay. So I think that was a really good segment, and I think that you know, sound off in the comments. We'll put something on social media too about you know people's opinions on which players they want to see stay and go. But. But yeah, and I think kind of to close this out, you want to maybe give us a little bit, Austin, about Chris Henderson's press conference today and where he sees the club going. And then, you know, season one will be finished for us. Yeah, um, man, it was a what, 30, 35 minute press conference uh, from Chris Henderson. He always does these, um, you know, same thing what we're doing now, pretty much season in review kind of talks. He's always super prepared, man. He comes out, he has his notebook, he has his notes. Every time a reporter asks a question, he's writing it down to make sure he hits all the spots. Like he does very well. He's very well spoken, very smart man, and you know, deserves all the respect in the world for what he's done in the league over the last what 27 years as a player and as the sporting officer. Um, and th- there are a couple of takeaways uh for me with this. And he was asked about a ton of things. He had mentioned actually Drake calendar since we're on the topic by name um, without like being directed twice or three times. And then somebody finally asked a question about Drake and pointed out like, Hey, by the way, you've named him like three times already. Like is, 
you know, can you give us the updates on Drake and like how you guys see him as a player in the future? And they just have, he went, he kind of just went over how good Drake has been for them and the development that they've seen and, and all of that. So I thought that that was really positive, even though Gian doesn't want to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not true. There was, there was a couple of other things that I found interesting. And I do want to start off with one um, that I don't know how many people picked up on, but it was about Emerson Rodriguez and his status as a lone out player to Santos Laguna. Um, and Emerson Rodriguez came in as a U22 DP. You have three U22 DP sets. All of them were used up in the summer transfer window. He cannot come back. He literally cannot come back. He won't come back, but he literally cannot come back. So whether it's selling him to Santos for $1, I don't care. Like Miami have to find a way to not bring him back on this roster or have to worry about that headache going into um, the final roster deadline of whatever day in February. That was something I found interesting. And then he was also asked about another lone player, uh, and Leandro Gonzalez Perez with River Plate also mentions that they are in talks with River Plate about their purchase option for LGP. I do think it's possible that LGP could make a return, to be completely honest with you. I don't know how much Tata Martino wants LGP, but I believe he's coached him before, uh, back with Atlanta United, where they won MLS Cup. So um, I think that and it's a possibility. You know, you can definitely see him if he replaces Kamal Miller, then I can. Right, <laughs> I'm right. just kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I think that 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 is definitely something that we could talk about going into 2024 is LGP status and Emerson's. I, I'll just throw out the window; he's not going to be in this Miami play next year. Um, he was asked about Dixon Arroyo and talked about him and his role and his contract option. I believe was declined but they are in talks with his representative and the player himself about coming back in 2024. Nothing really there um, so far. He's very, um, he's very, what do I, what's the word I want to say? Calculated. Like, very calculated in how he responds uh, to some of these yeah. questions. He was even asked, Chris Anderson was even asked about his own status uh, as a future inter Miami employee and said that as per the rules of the club, he's not going to, comment on his contract negotiations, but he is in constant meetings with the owners and the front office. Um, and that was about it. So, you know, I think it would be very smart to keep Chris Henderson around. I think he's one of the reasons that inter Miami have honestly stayed afloat post Paul McDonough. Um, and I think it would, you know, he knows the league better than any sporting officer uh, around MLS and it, it only makes sense to have him there. And now he has all of the money at his disposal uh, without the sanctions, the allocation money and whatnot. And he talked about that as well. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that he said, he was asked about the congested schedule coming up and how leagues couple possibly collide with the euros with Copa America and things like that, because it's going to be on a very similar schedule, adding the CONCACAF Champions Cup competition. And really, he just pointed to, you know, we have to be prepared for all of that. We have to know what's to come. We are able to prepare for it. We have to do our job at managing it. And I think that that's the right answer. Now, granted, I do believe that he did kind of allude to the fact that he wishes they could have more time and find ways to schedule around it. But in reality, it's not fully up to Chris Henderson himself. It's up to the league. So there was that uh, Luis Suarez. He didn't touch on because he is a Gremio player. And that's always the, the answer from, from executives. And they say, Oh, he is a Gremio player. He's not an Miami player. So we're not going to comment on him. Although Tata Martino gladly commented on him like a couple of weeks ago. So you can have that discussion as well. Um, really, all in all, it was kind of everything that you expected to hear and maybe even wanted to hear from your CSO. Um, and, and there wasn't really anything polarizing that he said that like made you turn your head to a couple interesting caveats. But all in all, it's a lot of focus on the 2024. And the one thing I did love hearing was that they do want to prioritize that CONCACAF Champions Cup. He does realize the value in it. He has you know seen Seattle's success in that competition. He's seen other MLS teams fall short of getting to qualify for FIFA Club World Cup, and he knows what that would mean to an MLS franchise. Um, 
you know, being a veteran with this league for so long. So I'm happy that he's one of the men in charge going into 2024. And um, I do believe that he's going to try and right this ship alongside Tata Martino and his staff and make sure that they're prepared full and well uh, for the season. It was a, it it felt good. It, It felt good overall. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, I guess there's not too much they can say, right? Like, and I think it's going to be a very fun off season and I'm excited. So, you know, there's not much he could have said. So I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, for sure. Any, any last notes before I wrap this up and let everybody know what we have going on for, for the future, Gian? No, no, I think I've said enough. Um, yeah, I, I think I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, with that said, then um, this was awesome, guys. It's so 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 great to be back. Uh, that was our Inter Miami CF 2023 season in review, the Messi and Co show, bringing it to you. And we want to say this: thank you for everything, all of the support over the course of the last five six months. I mean, we've put out what over 60 episodes, including live shows. And over that, over that amount of time is absolutely crazy. I can't even, you know, remember how many games we've covered. Um, And it really just points to a lot of positives going into 2024. And so with that said, with all of our thanks and gratitude to all the listeners, we are going to take a very small hiatus and come back to you with Messi and co season two the first week of December. Ashley, Gian, myself, and Alejandro will be here to provide you coverage of Inter-Miami and Lionel Messi, of course, going into 2024. December is normally when all the offseason stuff starts, the schedule release, free agency, the draft. There's so much MLS and Messi coverage to give you, and we will be there first week of December to start Messi and Co., season two for all of you guys. So thank you so much for a great season one for everybody here at five reasons sports. I am Austin Robillard with Gian and Ashley. It's been so great to do this and we will see you guys next time.